Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined as usual by Chris and Obi. How are you both? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good, I'm thanks. good. I'm good. The clocks went back, so uh, it's technically uh, we're in the past or the future. I don't know. It always confuses me. But we are in the equinox, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Black History Month and... Uh, Black History Month special. Um, but first of all, Obes, I think you've got some film news for us. Yeah, I've got a few bits and bobs. So, uh, Glenn, you'll love this one. Um, okay. The Mandalorian season two premiere will have a runtime of 52 minutes. I know oh. like, a lot of people are complaining about uh, it only being 30 minutes long before. So I wonder if this will be like, if it will all be that, that length or it's just going to be for the premiere. Do you reckon it's just going to be like two episodes in one. I hope not. That'll be a bit that'll be cheating. <laughs> I hope not. And also that'll mean what twenty six minutes each, which is even less than <laughs> than, than lot season one episodes. So that would be uh, that'd be a bit massive cop out. Are you uh, looking anyone looking forward to Mandalorian season two? No, but I guess I will watch it because yeah. I've barely utilized my Disney Plus. So I feel like I need to feel like I need to watch like Cinderella 4, you know, just to make sure that I'm getting my money's worth. You need to hit some of that nostalgia, mate. That's what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> Cinderella 4. Cinderella Rises. I don't know. Cinderella Rises. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Rises. I don't know. The Glass Slipper Returns. <laughs> um, so next bit of news, which is actually kind of linked to what we're going to talk about a bit later. Um, Michael B. Jordan is set to direct Creed 3. And the film will be his directorial debut. Okay. That's that's cool. I mean, he's sort of following in the vein of Sylvester Stallone. Um, you know, directing Rocky. Did the uh, second one that well? I think it did quite well. I think it was pretty well received. I think I, I prefer the second one to the first one, personally. Mm. Oh, yeah. man. Second one, then. Oh, shit. All right. I think I remember enjoying, like, the, the fight scenes a bit more. Yeah, so. Oh, did I quite remember how it ended. It's the second one where he's like he's running through the streets and Sylvester Stallone's on the back of the van. Is that the first That's one? First one. Ah. Uh, okay. Is this one where he's in the desert? Yeah. 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 And he fights the son of. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Does he lose? He loses the first time. He gets fucked up the first time, and then he wins eventually. Because remember, I don't. I think me and Glenn, me and you watch this together. He put through. He put in a couple, like, couple decent combos, and the whole cinema started cheering. You remember? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I think that's what makes me remember it so because I watched Creed the first time on DVD, whereas <laughs> in that cinema experience, everyone was like, "Yeah, you know, gasp." So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd happily watch a Creed three. I mean, they've ended up making what six or seven Rocky films, so. <laughs> Why can't Creed go the same way? Yeah, 100%. Be interesting to see what Michael B. Jordan has learned from um, Ryan in particular. Do you think it's a case of, because um, obviously Ryan Coogler did the first two, I think. So do you think it's a case of him being maybe too busy writing to do something else? Or do you think they maybe like, they fired him or something? Um, I feel like he didn't do Creed 2. Oh, did he not? Oh, no, you're, you're right. right. You're right, yeah. You're right. Um, I'm going to find out who did, though. Director Stephen Capel Jr. Because 
Yeah. I mean, it's probably, you know, Michael B. Jordan's probably a good fit as director because he now knows his character, you know, and he can sort of, he probably shape, wants to shape where it's going. Um, Do you think there's ever a case that... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. Do you think there's ever a case that um, maybe people who direct and are also the main character, do you think there's a case that maybe like he'll, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, maybe like overinflate his character, if that makes sense? Like, because he, cre- he has creative control over him kind of thing. Do you ever think there's maybe like he a... Probably has, he probably has someone next to him or side by like not next to him, but someone who critiques it as well. Well, that's mm. what I'm isn't it? Like, that, so that you don't go down the path of like not having a story told around your story, I guess. Mm. Is Sylvester think... still on it, or is he is he is he dead now in the hole? Uh, uh, he's still alive, I'm pretty sure. Although I actually, funnily enough, for the first 15 minutes of Creed 2, I'm pretty sure I thought Sylvester Stone's character was dead because nobody else was speaking to him apart from Mark <laughs> B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, I remember you saying you thought it was a ghost or something. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I wonder if this film will sort of be a handing over, you know, as Rocky did to Creed, and maybe maybe Michael B. Jordan will take a step back. I don't know. I'm just purely speculating. I don't know what any of the plot points will be. But again, at some point, he will be too old or too battered or too, you know, um, exhausted to want to fight. And so maybe he'll take up that coaching role. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess there is a... I don't know whether acting and directing is a, a good good idea. Um, I mean, it's a lot to, to take on and it's probably quite hard to, to critique yourself. You're either going to be not as critical as you should be or too critical because you know you've got to sort of compensate for the fact that you are the director. Mm. Um, I don't know. But... Um, yeah, I'd be up for that. Um, I also saw a, a tweet from one of the um, usual kind of film news websites a couple of days ago to say that Shang-Chi has finished filming, um, which oh, is good because cause I guess we all sort of, it was big news when all of these productions were shut down, but really news for them to be like, oh, they've filmed again. So uh, hopefully, hopefully by like, mid 2021 we were get back to some semblance of normality with regards to all the films that were due out um we also a uh, former friend of the podcast sent us a uh, imdb cast list didn't he for um spider-man 3 which i guess isn't confirmed but is exciting nonetheless because it had andrew garfield toby McCoy. Ryan Reynolds, um, in addition to Jamie Foxx um, and Tom Holland and Doctor Strange. Also, also rumoured to have Miles Morales as well featuring it. Yeah, so it seems like we're gearing up for Spider-Verse and I know we talked about it maybe last week or the week before, but pretty exciting. Um, I hope it's I not just... a massive pop-out. I hope it's not like just panned uh, uh, scenes from the other films, and the only character we're getting is Electro come over from another world kind of thing. Yeah, I, t- I don't, I don't know. Whether, I mean, 
Tobey Maguire doesn't actually look like he's aged too much since he was Spider-Man, so, and neither of Andrew Garfield, so presume, like they could all exist um, in the same kind of time frames. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be well up for it, even if it is a bit shit. I think I'd still be just on pure nostalgia. I'd be happy. I, I, sort of, I sort of hope Jake Gyllenhaal is in it as well as um, Mysterio, Fishbowl Head. Yeah, Mysterio. Yeah, he was good. He was good actually. I liked his character. I liked him. And he's just so ream. That's yeah. Um, cool. Well, a couple so, more bits of news if that's alright. Yeah, shoot. Um, MGM was looking to sell No Time to Die. That's a new James Bond film. To Netflix or Apple TV Plus for over six hundred million, but they thought the price was too high. Wow, six hundred million is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's probably that's probably the minimum they could sell it for and mm. be in profit. Because is, is this is this to like super like to go over the not be in cinema and just go straight to streaming service? I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Disney. Mm. I mean, that either suggests that MGM don't think they'll be able to release it anytime soon, or that when they do, they might not make that much money. I think it's the latter, yeah. Because mm. they're probably hoping that this film will almost reach a billion. Do you reckon? Well, Skyfall did. Skyfall made yeah. it over a billion. Yeah. Oh, and then Spectre, I don't think, did too well. Um, but yeah, the, well, let me just check. Spectre made eight hundred and eighty million. So, I mean, six hundred is probably a conservative, you know, estimate. But again, like I said, probably what they need to to make some money. Um, it's a shame, really, isn't it? Because a lot of these films that that sort of require a spectacle of. Um, cinematic experience with the audio and the visual and the, the darkened room and the big screen all of that like it would be a shame to have to cut your losses and sell it to um netflix because then what does that do for any future mm. james bond you know are they going to have the capital to reinvest it but then i guess from netflix's point of view they're not going to increase their um subscriber base by enough to probably make it worthwhile so it says no time to die had a budget of 250 million and then if you're probably factoring in advertising costs and costs of delaying releases and stuff you're, yeah, you're probably adding another 150 odd so hmm. Fair plan. um sorry last one from me uh, Hollywood agents are steering their white or male clients away from projects that will cause Twitter backlash and the quote from the Hollywood reporter is Twitter is the sole fear of the studios we don't want to spend our clients time on projects that studios are going to shy away from what does that mean so I think it's you, so I think it's uh, controversial roles so the tweet I'm looking at the picture is of Scarlett Johansson so you know the thing about her playing the um the transgender was it transgender or was it something else uh, i think she was scheduled to yeah, and she also did play an asian 
well, a historically uh, so, Asian character in um, Ghost in the Shell. Isn't someone else right now? Didn't isn't there a big film coming out this year or next year, and and a, an actress is taking the role and she's not of that? Uh, I huh? I think I was going to say I think you're talking about I could be wrong, but um, Cleopatra and Gal Gadot. No? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, okay. you're right. Um, and obviously things like that, like uh, that was that film Gerald Butler was in, I think, and he was like about Egyptians. And it was oh yeah, white. Egypt gods and kings or something. Oh yeah, yeah. did Matt Damon do a film where he was like a oh, yeah. Chinese or Jeff? Uh, I don't know, like the Great was, Wall. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he was playing an Asian character, but I think it was sort of like, why do we need this white actor to? Yeah, but sell should, this it film? Been, should it have been? That should that role have been cast to an Asian uh, man or, or woman because it, it was based around a, on a film? I've never watched it, so I don't know. Yeah, I think that I think that's the argument is is maybe the studio didn't have enough confidence in a like a, an Asian lead that they had to cast someone like Matt Damon to make it sellable, which which is a shame. But I mean, from what you've just said, Obes, that sort of sounds like it's common sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we don't want our cisgendered female actresses playing transgender people. Like, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. I you think know. we're in an age where everything's very um, uh, people are people are ready and willing to lash out on your film if there are things about it they don't like, and they will take no prisoners. And word of mouth means a lot these days. I think. Yeah. So I think you have to kind of try and mitigate the um, <clears throat> the risk. Suppose. I was going to say, do you think like obviously like I don't know if they're thinking like this, but do you think like film studios are thinking of it as okay? We don't know that many. Uh, just an example, I don't know. Don't want to offend anyone, but like there's not that many really big famous transgender actors, actors or actresses that I know of personally. Maybe they're thinking I want to put this face on it so it brings people in a bit more. But then I suppose it's like I hear that to be fair, but my thinking is like there won't be any. Uh, big transgender actors. If you don't start giving transgender actors some roles, agreed, agreed. Yeah, yeah. it's Never. true. And I think if you are worried that the film isn't going to perform too well, then you need to adjust your budget accordingly. You know. Um. So, and I think you know some of the films that we'll talk about later on, you know, had relatively small budgets, weren't hugely commercially successful, but you know, there's an argument that. It's because for the studio, they maybe are seen as more of a risk uh, because of the subject matter or the actors. And that is a big problem that the studios do think like that. And I, I guess also from what you've just said, Obes, it's like the reason they're doing it is the reason that they're asking their clients to not do this is, is because of Twitter backlash rather than it actually being morally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> So, which is which is again a bit of a shame. It's like, I, you know, we would let you play, you know, Scarlett would let you play um, Oprah Winfrey in a documentary in a autobiography, if if you weren't going to get backlash. Oprah <laughs> Winfrey. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, interestingly, um, sort of a mini segue in the Borat Two film. You know, um, well, I don't know if you noticed on Netflix when the rating comes up, it tells you why. Like, you know, like it does for the BBFC, it says, like, you know, strong violence or whatever. Um, 
So with Borat 2, which is on Amazon Prime, um, it said one of the reasons uh, the uh, certification issues was blackface, um, which I found really yeah, I interesting. That, I, I saw that pop up. That was the question I was going to ask you guys. So before the film started, it like one of the reasonings, it actually comes up beforehand, it says blackface is one of the um, reasonings for, or it says, like you, like, you know where they... classification issue yeah yeah came up to begin with i can't remember what my question was around that but that that was related to my question that i was gonna ask i can't remember what i was gonna ask though i I found that really interesting um and there's only one scene of it in in the whole film if i remember correctly yeah and it's a picture isn't it of justin trudeau yeah the current canadian prime minister i believe yeah Yeah, Um, maybe but I think that, again, that's really important because it's it's showing that, you know, the BBFC or whoever certificated that film has an awareness that it's it's wrong. And, so, and you know, I, I don't know if you've noticed again, but in terms of like um, Tenet and also uh, The Invisible Man, they both had domestic abuse as a classification issue, um, which, again, is highlighting, you know, there's more awareness of these things and how the portrayal of them in cinema can be harmful um and so they have to have their sort of own certification of themselves i think historically something like domestic abuse would have been characterized under violence which obviously it is but it's also a separate issue um so that way if you're going to be triggered by something like that by watching something like that then it, it you know you can be aware of it and also sorry to ramble on but the invisible man was rated 18 originally for scenes of domestic abuse um, and then cut for a 15. And I think, Chris, similarly, you said Tenet was originally rated 15 for scenes of domestic abuse and um, uh, cut for a 12. So I think I think those are really important, um, you know, subtle kind of classification issues. uh, So with you saying that, right? So on Netflix recently, they've had like a big overhaul that any um, any racism to do with blackface, they've basically removed it. Or as far as I'm aware, they've removed it from Netflix. Okay. So is it that is it that series episodes and films should ident- identify what is in the film that could be offensive and still put the film out, or should they just not put it in there in the first place? I think I think. And uh, you know, objects for me to talk about as a white person because it's not my race that's being lampooned. But I think, with the terms of Borat two, he used the picture of Justin Trudeau as a as a satirical point. So yeah. he said, he said, yeah. I think in Borat. So I guess we might as well talk about Borat two. So Borat two, subsequent movie film, is the sequel to the mockumentary Borat from 14 years ago. Um, so if you don't know Borat, he's a fake character, a Kazakhstani journalist created by Sasha Baron Cohen, who is basically, yeah, in the first film he travels to America to kind of raise awareness of Kazakhstan and just to be a journalist. And, and he basically puts real people in kind of, <laughs> uh, asks them really like, or, or creates sketches where they're in really difficult positions and often it's used to sort of satirize the american public and their 
ways of thinking. Uh, and this film, um, he travels with his daughter to gift her to Mike Pence, who I think is the, um, or at least quite high up. Was it always Was it always meant to be him? No, it was originally supposed to be a monkey. Going to gift him a no, 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 no. Monkey sorry. and then his it, daughter. No, no, it's going to be Pence that they were giving it to. Uh, I believe. Um, but anyway, the, the whole point about the blackface is, is, you know, he plays Borat, who is basically like everything that comes out of his mouth is like horrendous, but in a way that is he's highlight the fact that it's bad, if that makes sense. So he's, you know, he starts by saying, saying, you know, in the last 14 years since the first film, America was destroyed by um, an African-American president called Barack Obama, and who, who, who has allowed other African-American world leaders to come to fruition. Then he shows a picture of justice. The point, you know, it's highlighting. It's wrong. He's making political commentary on it that makes sense uh, so i think in that context the fact he's taking the piss and high-ranking political figures think this is a uh this is the reason for it but things like little britain which i think some of those episodes have been at i it was used for comedy but not in the sense of like any irony it was just downright offensive um so I think if you want those sorts of programs to be on a service like Netflix, maybe you need to go down the route Disney have gone down by saying these episodes or films feature attitudes and language that were wrong then and are still wrong now. So like some of their kind of earlier stuff with you know problematic racial um, tones and themes that they've kind of put that as a disclaimer which is a way i guess educating the audience which i think is also important don't i don't know if anyone else has any thoughts on that i agree with you to be fair i think but to be fair, i think people who uh argue against it like as against like the censorship and cancelling it and whatever <clears> they're <throat> people who don't care <laughs> We literally just don't care. Um, and it's the ones like, oh, if it's funny, if it's funny, if it's comedy, it's comedy. Like, blah, 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 blah. I think people try to give um, the excuse that, oh, yeah, if it, makes you, if it makes you laugh, then it's all right. But that's not really the case. If it's something offensive, something expensive, I don't think people have the right to tell other people what they should or shouldn't be offended by. Yeah, definitely. And also the fact that if people laugh at it and think it's just funny, then that actually makes it reinforces that it's okay yeah um which is that you know very problematic um but i mean yeah chris borat too um so he you know eventually wants to gift his daughter who they say in the film is 15 but it's played by a much older actress um you know there's a series of it starts off that he's like i have a non-male son and uh, there's all these jokes about like sexism and the fact that you know she has to live in a cage and you know all, all of these sort of backwards opinions um which again are sort of used to satirize yes 
Kazakhstan in a kind of problematic way, um, which culminates in her uh, his daughter, played by Maria Bakalova, I think her name is, um, interviewing former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani uh, and getting him into a compromising position where it looks like he is like he has his hand down his trousers which you know we must say that he subsequently said he was tucking his shirt in um but other people have read it in a more predatory fashion so chris you've seen this film i don't think you have ob what, what did you think of it um oh it's not as good as the first film but like this is my initial reaction was it's not as good as the first film but i couldn't i couldn't I couldn't honestly tell you much about the first film, if I'm totally honest. Like, I can't remember that much of it, bar Borat trying to pick up Pamela Anderson and put her in a bag. Um, <laughs> I thought it was quite... It was like, you know Americans are racist, right? You know that. Some, like, some Americans, sorry, sorry, let me rephrase that. You know some Americans are racist, but I didn't... You don't really realise how much until you see something. And in that parade when he's singing the song about Barack Obama and people who, I can't remember what other things he was saying, and all these people are chanting and agreeing with him and just singing a song with him, I just was like, it was, I, 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 I deep down wanted it to be staged, but, like, it obviously wasn't. And I just yeah. can't believe, like, that some, like, obviously America's a massive country, and like way bigger than us, but I just still can't believe some people have them like opinions. I just, it's crazy, and like how they're all like, and how they they think of the COVID, the like coronavirus, and like I know he makes a joke of it at the end, like as if he started the coronavirus and all that stuff, but it's like he's just showing you like how it could all all have started and how and all these people are just being so blasé about it, mm. and. So uh, you're you're referring to the bit where he he attends like a a Republican rally, I think, and yeah. and that he's before this has stayed with a couple of uh, Republican supporters because they found him on the street and he was like, I have nowhere to go, and then they they talk about the fact that they think that COVID is a conspiracy, um, helped by, like funded or started by China and helped by the Democrats or something. Um, yeah, and then they're, they're sort of like, yeah, give Obama the COVID, and you know. it's, it's actually it's like it's just mental. It's like it's ah, uh, it's just crazy, man. Like I just couldn't believe it. And then obviously the whole the scene that I'm surprised was even allowed in the in the film of uh, what's his face pulling down his pants or looking like he's about to pull down his pants and sleep with in this film a fourteen year old. Yeah. Crazy. Um, I mean, I mean, for context, you know, she, his, his Borat's daughter in the film, you know, pretends to be a journalist and is interviewing him and and is quite flirty with him, you know, touches his knee and is like, and and but then, you know, and he says things like, "Oh, you're very pretty," and she's like, and then she says, "Oh, should we have a drink in the bedroom or something?" And and then he says, "Oh, you know, can I have your phone number or I should get your phone number?" And and then she like takes his microphone off, and then he's seen lying on the bed putting his hands down his trousers, which he says is to tuck his shirt in. And then Borat comes in and says, she's only 15, she's too young, uh, too old for you. Um, <laughs> so, 
yeah. I mean, I think I think it's worth noting that Sasha Baron Cohen is satirizing a, a very particular like a, a section of American culture here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's true. Very true. A kind of very pro-Trump. Yeah, Republican. And, and, he, and he's obviously like this, the whole film's meant to be like, like obviously when he goes into the is it a synagogue? No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that section. I was I was like, how the how can you do that? You know. I, I so, feel. I, I honestly, I genuinely feel like that must be staged. That one. It must be like. There's no way you can go into this place with bat wings on your back, a really long nose, like a, a witch's nose, claws, and then go into the there to as if he's going to be killed, be met by yeah. two two old ladies who calm him down and look after him and yeah and again for, for context like it was established in Kazakhstan in Borat like Kazakhstan uh, are very anti-semitic and they they hate Jews and they think you turn into cockroaches and you know all this stuff um which is obviously ironic because Sasha Baron Cohen is himself Jewish or at least has had has Jewish heritage um and then in Borat 2 yeah he dresses in a exaggerated offensive Jewish way like you said with the long nose and claws and stuff and actually speaks to a holocaust survivor and says oh the holocaust wasn't a thing because I saw it on Facebook or something and and they like educated him I mean he has come out and said that he broke character before to sort of say this is going to be a a, like a sketch but even even knowing oh did it Oh yeah. right, shit. Oh. But even so, I mean, I'm not Jewish, but I was watching that and I was like, You're, "That's so disrespectful." Um, even if it is for a laugh, like I didn't find that funny. It was it was too far. I'm I'm, I'm not sure. I found I'm not sure. I found a lot any if a lot of this film funny at all. If I'm honest, it was quite. Um, I guess it was quite politically politically driven, but in the wrong ways. And I don't know if I just wasn't. It just I didn't find it that funny, if I'm honest. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a particularly balanced film, was it? Um, no. uh, it was. It was. You know, he's obviously got an agenda. With, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. fair play to him. But he's, I mean, I mean, I, I I sort of found that I didn't. Whereas the first film, I sort of believed a lot of it was verite, like real, like, you know, he was stitching people up and people didn't know who Borat was. Whereas in this film, I sort of felt like a lot of it, like you said, was staged or, you know, the people sort of knew what was going on because I just feel like some of the people were just going along with stuff that was just ridiculous. It's like, like, it's like playing with the Republican people and he suddenly just got a dildo out of nowhere. And then, and then he like... Was he? He asked Alexa to like buy flashlights. Yeah, sorry, I had to stop because my one would have accidentally. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like, like he's trying to buy flashlights and he buys flashlights. So I'm just like, come on, like. Yeah, and also the fact that these blokes had like, you know, I'm sort of like, well, if you've just met this guy off the street and are allowing him to stay in your home, yeah, I don't he, know. Sound like he stayed there for months. Yeah, and also, um, like when he was going to the 
insert like staples essentially and he was sending those faxes was just, oh my God, yeah. i was watching that and i was like this guy clearly knows what's going on um so yeah i mean to me it lost a lot of that kind of mockumentary edge um and i did laugh at some of it but i don't i don't really know why he felt the need to to make this film if i'm being completely honest mm, yeah um, you wouldn't recommend it then um no i mean it, it's sort of one that you can just start watching and then pause and then come back to because there's a few re- recurring gags but he just sort of he pushes the, the boat so far to a point where one of the like gags is that his his daughter um she has a cupcake and there's a, a figure a little figurine of a baby on it and um she eats the whole cake including the, the figurine and they go to an abortion clinic a christian abortion i guess a christian center to try and talk you out of having an abortion if that makes sense. and um she's like i've got a baby in me and uh daddy put it in me because he helped her eat the cake or something and and then you could see this this kind of pastor was like wait you're her dad and yeah and i was just like oh god you're mm. it just sort of felt like the comedy that you would have found when the original borat came out and i don't know if all of it is as uh as acceptable or as funny now. Can I ask a quick question? Mm-hmm. So um, I take it from you guys' description that this film is taking the piss out of like the right, polit- political right, like conservatives, basically, like that sort of um, mm-hmm. region. Yeah. Trump, or, Trump supporters, yeah? essentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if there is any sort of I would say 99% of uh, satire, political satire, is taking the piss out of conservative right, far-right views. Have you guys... I've only watched one film, and I saw this last year, actually, called The Hunt. Have you ever guys watched a film where it takes the piss out of the left? Or liberals? I mean, I don't quite understand politics enough to sort of be hyper-aware of... of, of which kind of side is, is falling on i mean when you, you say the right and the left i'm not overly confident in you know how that would translate to america and, and england and so right. presumably the left would be labor yeah okay so like um and what's, con- what's considered completely left then so completely left is like it would be like a socialist like Karl marx and then people then right okay and then a complete right would be like, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know actually what the I don't know what the word for it would be actually. I don't know. Fascism, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the hunt then? You said that it takes the piss out of the left. Yeah. So the hunt is a film where, um, uh, it basically it's this it's this um, there's like a hunt basically every year and. It's based on these people who think it's a rumor, but it's actually true that conservatives go out to hunt. Um, no, so that liberals go out to hunt conservatives once a year, just like literally hunt and kill. Like they kidnap random, uh, random conservative people, put them in a random location, and then they kill them off one by one. Um, and basically, the film <laughs> takes the piss because like everything that the pe- these people do, who are the hunters, is like they're proper trying to be like woke and like 
politically correct whilst they're taking because uh, they'll, they'll be like taking the piss out of um, the far right people saying, oh, they're racist, blah, 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 blah. But then they'll say like coloured or something like that. Or, they'll, or, they'll, oh, or okay. like they'll say something and then they'll be like, oh, no, you can't say it anymore. What you guys, what you do is, oh, I'm so sorry. Da, da, da. Stuff like that, yeah. Um, and basically, okay. it's like the film sides with the uh, a, a conservative woman, basically, who in the end, actually, I think is an independent. She didn't actually vote for anybody. But that's like the the thing you find out at the end of the film, but that is actually it's actually decent, a decent film. But that's the only film I've ever seen that's taken the piss out of like liberal people. That's a good point, actually. Um... I never really think about it. That's that's the thing. Like, if someone wants to take the piss out of a political like, standpoint, I don't know if I'd necessarily know about it unless it was forced in front of me. If that makes sense. Like Borat, basically. Mm. Yeah, uh, for me, it has to be like really obvious that it's taken a piss out of a particular, um, you know, political spectrum. Politically into stuff. Yeah. Um, just trying to think. I'm just, I've just had a quick. I mean, that's a really good question. If any listeners have got any kind of left wing satire or satire of the left wing whether film or TV or whatever, please do tweet us. Cause... To be fair, actually, correct to myself, I feel like South Park do both play both sides quite well. That's yeah. the only other one I can think of. South Park do it quite well. Okay. Yeah. They, just, they just want everyone to hate yeah, them. I, I do wonder why that is. Because it's, not, it's not as if like the left is, is any less sort of in power. I think, you know, especially in this country, it seems swing. I think there's like a, um, there's like a thought that I think, in my in my personal opinion, that like, if there's like some sort of moral compass, the 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 good side of that inverted commas will always fall on the left, and so the the people on the right are always treated as the bad guys. Inverted commas, obviously, they're not all bad guys. You know, everyone's everyone, and then so I think people find it traditionally people find it easier to take the piss out of bad guys. That makes sense. Yeah, and then I guess to I guess for that to work and to actually get produced, a lot of the people writing and directing and producing these things must at least be centralists. You know, you're not going to get loads of like Trump supporters funding and films that take the piss out of Trump, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess I guess a lot of things take the piss out of elitism, which like, and, and kind of like upper classes, which I, I guess you know a lot of people conflate that with conservative and right wing, um, mm. particularly in this country. So yeah, maybe that's why. Um, I guess continuing on the uh, Sasha Baron Cohen um, theme, uh, he's in another latest release, the Trial of the um, which is written directed by Aaron Sorkin, who did Molly's Game, um, if you saw that, uh, and is basically a biographical film about uh, the 1960, I want to say 68, um, yeah. yeah, Democratic National Convention trial, where um, eight and then seven people were, were trying, uh, inciting a riot after demonstrating against the uh, 
at the Democratic National Conference in Chicago. I feel like I've done a lot of talking thus far. So, Obi, Chris, do you want to sort of give us your views on on this film? And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, yeah, I thought I quite like I quite enjoyed it. Um, it's something that uh, a trial that I never knew. I don't know about YouTube. I never knew anything about it. So I quite like going into these things fresh, like uh, without having any prior information. That's probably not a good thing because then you base all your thing on the film. But I do yeah. like do like not knowing what happened or what happens. If that if that makes any I sense. Agree. Yeah. Um, I agree. But also, don't don't you tend to think after like if I've watched one of these things, I tend to watch it, have my opinion, and then read. Oh yeah, same. I I was on Wikipedia for about half an hour after this. Yeah. <laughs> after this, yeah. Um, which I think is good actually. I think if a film like this gets you wanting to look look stuff up, then I think they've done the, they've done their job. They're I done. Think. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Eddie Redmayne's character was. I feel like well, do you know, what? I've only watched like two of his films. I feel like that. This film and what's his face from Fantastic Beasts? I feel like they're just the same guy. <laughs> My God, I, no, I had the exact same thing. I literally was like, oh, this is Newt Scamander. Yeah, like fully. <laughs> I, think, I think that's most pointed in this film because he's been in like the theater of everything and, and other things. And he's a decent actor, but here he was playing Newt Scamander. That's what it felt like, yeah. And um, I like the reveal. Um, well, I half like the reveal. At the end, well, near the end, when they um, basically his that character Tom, I think his name was Tom, Tom something. The, his mischoice of words basically incited uh, the riot that got them all arrested and and went sent to prison. Mm. But I was gonna say, I feel like shouldn't somebody have cracked this sooner, cracked this case sooner? Because like you know, and it wasn't it kind of obvious, no? Well, I guess up until that point, the film certainly had made you think that these guys were all innocent mm. and um you know it was the system basically trying to i guess restrict their rights to free speech um and so it was a bit of a twist yeah because i think he sees his he's giving a speech and then he sees one of his friends um is it rennie davis getting um attacked and then he says if our blood's going to be spilt then so should theirs, or, you know, something along those lines. And he, he wanted, I think, he wanted to say, yeah. if our, he said, if the blood's gonna flow, let it flow into the streets, instead of saying, if our blood's gonna flow. Yes, yeah, yeah that's but, what he meant. But, but wasn't the whole point of this that they didn't have the tape, so there was no actual evidence of this happening until someone brought forward the tape? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I, I feel, I feel like it didn't make. No one made a big deal out of the tape until that until that scene when they revealed it. That's why I. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I don't think that I don't think anyone had the tape. I think it was added. Right. Okay. During I, they were in there for like months, weren't they? In that in that courtroom yeah. with that, with that idiotic judge and. Yeah. yeah. I th- I think the point was that they didn't realize it had been recorded, and he probably maybe he didn't remember what he'd said or thought he'd okay. he'd used the correct you know phrase that he wanted to say. So until he heard it back. Because that's well, when Mike Rylance's attorney character says, like, we're fucked. <laughs> well, I think, the whole, I think the point of that scene is that he, he, is quite, he is quite regimented with how he says and does things. Like, throughout the, fil- throughout the film, you see, like, how he's quite cool, calm and collected. And then 
through that scene when he sees his mate get bludgeoned in the head, he's kind of like he then loses his like mind yeah. a little, like he loses it a little bit. So yeah. it just goes to it goes to show that anyone can. I think the point was that anyone could crack. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was gonna say that. Um, shit. Oh yeah, the one thing that I liked or well not liked but I thought was funny was like the amount of like double agents that <laughs> that uh, the FBI put into like the protest. Like bare people just revealed themselves as like, oh yeah, by the way, I work for the FBI, and I've kind yeah. of like <laughs> just inserted themselves in there. So like, I feel like to kind of half start stuff. I feel like you. Yeah. Can, I feel like it should be illegal for you to go into the go into these groups, kind of incite stuff, and then be like, oh yeah, they did this, this, this. Like, you fucking, you were part of this. <laughs> like, it's all no, entrapment, that, isn't it? Wasn't yeah, entrapment exactly. Wasn't that female police officer? Wasn't she the one who told him to turn around and told him told him not to charge down the hill? Though supposedly, I think there was, yeah. I think he agreed with her, but then nobody listened to him. Yeah, because he was he was about to turn around, and then the there others was, went get him. There was some artistic license with this. So I read that the the female agent that kind of honey traps, um, uh, what's his name? He's into Ke- Kevin? No, not Kevin. Jerry oh, Rubin. He's into, he's into Selma as well, actually. That guy. Yeah, Jeremy Strong. So he plays Jerry Rubin. Um, apparently, that lady was either an amalgamation of characters or sort of just made help this plot. Um, and also, the last scene where uh, Tom Tom Hayden gets charged and he reads out all five thousand soldiers that was not quite where it happened um, oh. but it did happen but he did, it do did. It. I, th- I, th- I think oh. it happened right at the beginning of the trial and okay. also i guess another inaccuracy is that um uh yaya abdul mateen the second character bobby seal was actually bound and gagged for three days of the trial rather than what they show you know a couple of hours that um, was that was absolutely. That was insane. I couldn't yeah. believe. It. I was like, <clears throat> it made me feel so horrible. Like, what? Like, honestly, it was. I mean, that, that was awful. That um judge, it was enraging me because I was like, I don't know much about American politics, but I know that you are basically, <laughs> um, sort of, uh, prejudicing this trial. Yeah. <laughs> it, there was no objectivity in it at all. He was sort of like, yeah. oh, I won't allow the former DA to testify or whoever he was you know um michael keaton's character oh no the jury can't hear this i was like what how can you not allow that to happen that is ridiculous i was getting so frustrated i was like surely that's against their first amendment or whatever wasn't it all stuff what was it um miss no not miss trot no he kept every time someone pissed him off he was like contempt held him in contempt didn't didn't want didn't the lawyer get like 54 counts of contempt at the end of it or something yeah. And that's the thing and I guess it's it's similar to when you're when if, when we talk about Selma and Queen and Slim and stuff is you see these injustices happen and you just you sort of think well why shouldn't they be able to say oh fuck you judge you know you're being ridiculous you're discriminating against us and you've already formed your opinion like it just seems that if you try and kind of go down the justice system route or the, the route that is quote-unquote fair, it just doesn't ever work in your favour. Mm. Um, 
which is sort of, I mean, obviously in the end it, it, it does, because even though they were sentenced, it was overturned, wasn't it, in the Court of Appeals or Supreme Court, which so obviously justice prevailed in the end, but just objective. Um, and I guess there's a, a parallel with, with um, you know, from quite anti-abortion and all of these things. So Trump's like, yep, I'm nominating you. So, you know, you can push all these laws through. It's sort of like, mm. you should serve the constitution rather than your own ideologies. Mm. That's the thing, like, with those sorts of ju- I think judges are well they're supposed to be uh the most what's it called um yep. objective people but I think naturally you can't help to lean one way the one way or the other whether or not it's conservative or liberal or if you're racist or not like that judge was and mm. like but like you say about Trump like to, even like Supreme Court judges like there's a whole f- kerfuffle right now because um, Trump's looking to put in another conservative judge, which will probably shape American law for the next however many years until a few, a couple more judges die. But like in my eyes, I feel like all there's nine Supreme Court judges. I feel like they should all be like uh, apolitical. Yeah, apolitical. Because otherwise, yeah. then it's not really fair, is it? <laughs> exactly. So or, or, I mean, or double kind of thing. I mean, what I understand about American politics is that you have either conservative or Republican, uh, sorry, Democrat or Republican. And then you've also got the Senate, which you can have a majority of one way or the other. So then to pass laws through, if you're um, a Democrat and the re- and the House is Republican, you're never going to pass anything through. And mm. it's just, and then, you know, it gets to Supreme Court and you've got your man's put all his cronies in there and they're like, yeah, now nah, we're not going to pass this. You know, it's mm. just like, oh, I don't know. It's It's so... Flawed system. Yeah, flawed is the correct term. But I, th- I think, you know, the fact that I certainly was getting quite riled up by watching this film is a testament to the, the writing and, and how good this film was. I mean, Aaron Sorkin, you know, if you remember Molly's Game, it's a very wordy, he's a very wordy um, writer, um, but it, it's all kind of, it's just, it's, it's just entertaining in, in a way. It's like, you know, the, it, I guess Julia would be able to talk a lot more eloquently about this because she, you know, has a, vested interest in screenwriting and stuff but um you know uh aaron sorkin's other writing credits include moneyball uh social network and steve jobs i mean i've not seen steve jobs but the others you know again like really good films about maybe quite <laughs> relatively uninteresting subjects but he seems to make them really interesting with the way that he he has a gift with with words so uh yeah i mean particularly i don't know if you remember the opening scene of this film where each character is sort of introduced and then the next character that's introduced basically answers their or finishes the end of their sentence, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I just, I thought I was like quite quickly engaged in this film, even though it's a courtroom drama and there wasn't tons of, you know, a lot of it was just people standing up and going, I object and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was good. I think one thing that I would have liked maybe is that I felt like, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, the the lawyer on their side, was always quite reluctant to take the case and didn't really, uh, didn't really believe in the case. And I feel like maybe they could have, he could have shown that a bit more. I don't know, maybe shown him like deliberating with his team, kind of like not really being on it, if that makes sense. Because if you, I get the feeling that he he kind of sided with the other with the other team, but he was kind of forced into this case. 
Um, but yeah, it would have been nice if they kind of showed a bit more of him because I feel like he didn't get a ton of screen time. To be honest, yeah, I was gonna say he didn't get much screen time, did he? At all? It wasn't there wasn't too much focus on him besides the part of guilt. Mm. Obviously, when he went up to the judge and was asking for um, the guy to be released, it mm. wasn't really wasn't part of the trial itself. Yeah, that was also really frustrating because it was sort of like, oh my god, this guy's actually having his rights, um, flat flat out kind of ignored. Uh, yeah, mm. um, and then that that other leader of the Black Panther movement, um, Fred, Hampton. Fred Hampton was killed. Um, so finally, I'd quickly talk about that. So yeah. um, that for me is actually <laughs> obviously well, kind of. It's actually a big spoiler for me because. There's a film coming out, I think, either this year or next year, about Fred Hampton, starring Daniel Kaluuya. Um, oh, okay. And it talks about, obviously, this movement and stuff like that. So, now I know that he dies. <laughs> so, that's a bit... I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm sure... I'm sure that his Fred Hampton's death happens in another film. It's either Ali with Will Smith and, and or 13th which is an Ava DuVernay documentary okay. about... Wait, is 13 for um, series or a film? It's a film. It's a documentary. Oh, okay, I, was, I want to watch that. It's a good film. Spoiler alert, it's uh, in my top five. But um, yeah, oh. uh, I mean, just a question about kind of biographical film or a film is about events that actually happened. Do you think, you know, how much artistic license do you think a director and writer should be able to take you know in terms of um i guess minor things like when all the names are read yeah that's more impactful at the end but um i guess in, you know amalgamating characters or creating characters for plot development i feel like they remember like, this, like at the end of the day like this is not like a live reenactment of something so like i feel like their creative outlook will be probably like at least 40% different to what actually happened and I feel like um I feel like they uh they they just mold it into the way where people are going to be a bit more emp empathetic towards certain aspects mm. like having the names read at the end mm. is I feel by far more powerful at the end when he's been uh, dubbed the good the good boy in the whole thing isn't he and then he kind of reads out all the names against the judge's will kind of thing and I feel like is it is it really is it really that big of a deal that they amalgamated two characters into one like what is it that so so more people integrated the 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 group watched as that watched as things went on and then outside of it were separate entities but it's, it doesn't really make a difference does it because it's just to shorten the film in that in that aspect that's my opinion of it because like, otherwise you're going to have to see two or three different people integrate themselves in, see what happened in their aspect of it, and then come out the other side and bring it to a courtroom. Mm, that's true. Yeah. My only thing is that I feel like, in a broad sense, you should be able to leave stuff out, but you shouldn't put stuff in, if that makes sense. So oh. don't just... like I think you can maybe leave out some details, obviously not major details, but you can't <laughs> just add in like if, for example, if that him reading the names out, if that never happened, then I would say that you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have put that in because that's quite a powerful moment right at the end. If the moment with um, 
female detective and that stuff. If that ne- if that never happened, then don't put it in. Obviously, it was multiple characters. You leave some of them out, and then you kind of put them into one. I'm I'm happy. I'm fine with that. But I think as long as you don't bend the truth to the point where you're actually getting like things important things factually incorrect. Correct. Yeah. I think you're okay to use your creative license. I think. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think as long as you're not, I guess, rewriting history. Yeah. 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 You want to put, at the end of the day, you want to, there's a point that you that should be put across here and it shouldn't be one where you're molding it to your opinion. It should be like one where people should make their own opinion about it, I feel. Mm. But yeah, but I it, think films like, it was like war films, for example, you know, they, they will probably condense hundreds of soldiers into one because, you know, like you said, rather than having one soldier who does one brave act and then isn't seen again or whatever it's just easier um and more efficient to do that yeah um, what i found really interesting about this is that the reason why they had i've forgotten his name well, let me find his name quickly um what's the fit what's it called again what are you talking about bobby seal yeah bobby seal yeah why they why they kept him on the stand like why they wanted him to be part of the to they wanted to tarnish the name of the Black Panthers, so they added, so they, so they yeah. added him in to make thought, him look oh, as yeah, well as the murder and stuff like that. He's also yeah. done this shit as well. Yeah, so I thought, I thought that was, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not good, but I've, I thought it was like an interesting viewpoint from them to, to do that, or, or like, not interesting. What's the word? Like, I thought it's quite bizarre that the other side would do that in order to mold a courtroom situation i guess is the well i'm going about it i don't know but yeah i never knew they would i never knew that that would happen kind of thing that's what i'm trying to say there's a lot of fucked up stuff going on in this trial like when they there was like two jurors who were sympathetic and they were like oh you've had threats (laughs) (laughs) you're you're compromised um yeah i thought it was a really good film i just can't believe like Obviously, this is a different. It was a different time. I don't know how many years ago this was, but it was obviously different. But like, I can't believe no one like went above the judge and was like, "Hey, can we have a different judge, please?" I can got- believe that. Huh? <laughs> I can believe it. Chris. I'm, I mean, no, I can believe it, but I'm just I'm surprised that like the defending the side trying to defend themselves didn't do it. Mm. Well, every time they said anything, they were in contempt of court. You know, even if what they were saying was true. Um, that's what, I think is, yeah. I think that's that's why it was important at the end when when it says that you know they they got their convictions overturned by the court of appeals, um, which I guess is is in a way of getting the another judge. Um, yeah, um, I feel like this would definitely be nominated for best screenwriting, um, whether it be adapted or original screenplay. I don't quite know how they would determine that. Um, do you reckon any of these people would get acting noms? I think maybe Mark Rylance for Best Supporting Actor. Um, I personally wouldn't give anyone a nom. Yeah, I was no? going to say. Well. I mean, if, if <laughs> there's quite a dearth of uh, well, yeah, other options at the right. moment. I mean, this film might even get a Best Actress nomination. And I don't think there's any women in it. <laughs> yeah, you're right, to be fair. <laughs> it, was all, it was solid across the board. I would it was, say, but there was it, nothing that properly stood out to me. I think with um, Bobby Seale's character, I did feel loads of sympathy. 
Um, he was good, actually. Yeah, he, I, think, I feel like he gets better with every role I've seen him in. I think I've only seen him in like four things, but I think he, he's improving as an actor like before our eyes. But I wouldn't have him up there yet. And I think everyone else was just was good. I think Sasha Barkham was good. Jeremy Strong was good. Then there, there was a couple of other characters who I feel like didn't really get much shine. I think there was the guy who was preaching a lot of non-violence at the start of the film, and then he punched a guy near the end of the film. He didn't really have mm. much to say or to do. Apparently that never happened either. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, he didn't punch someone. That was just for effect. Which I guess, like you said, that actually changes the audience's opinion of that person, which is, I guess, I'd... quite dangerous opinion of him but it, it made me like frustrated for him because as a character he was someone who didn't hurt anyone and in that moment he out of rage threw his arm mm. so i don't know if it's mm. necessarily true not like him or like him more but it just i think it showed the how much it was hurt affecting them as people i feel like we've not done a uh, out of 10 rating for a couple of weeks on you know so i would ask you guys what would you rate this film out of 10 um 7.5 agreed yeah that's the full house 7.5 aaron sorkin if you want to put that on the dvd your average <laughs> critics give your film 7.5 out of 10 <laughs> um so that's the the new releases uh done i mean obviously <laughs> thanks to netflix and stuff there's new releases every fucking day but uh those are the ones we've chosen to discuss this week. Um, maybe next week we can talk about Rebecca, if anyone's interested in watching that. Um, but our main topic this week, as it's October, and October in the UK, is um, we thought we'd do a section on films uh, directed by um, black directors. Um, so we've all... Which one do you want to talk about first? We've got Law Abiding Citizen, Queen and Slim, or Selma. I'm easy. I don't mind. Um, yeah, let's I'm talk also... Selma. Yeah, let's talk Selma because I think it's most thematically similar to the Trial of the Chicago Seven, in the sense that it is a very true uh, political incident. Um, so it's a 2014 historical drama film directed by Ava DuVernay. Uh, based on the 1965 Selma to Montgomery voting right marches uh, led by Martin Luther King, played by David Oyelowo. Um, so, I mean, again, a, a film about a really important historical situation, which unfortunately I didn't very much about. I only know the, the bare basics about Martin Luther King Jr. You know, the fact that he was instrumental in American civil rights and then was assassinated. Uh, but I feel like this film had a strong acting performance from David Oyelowo um, and was also again made me feel really frustrated about like the injustices um, such as uh, Oprah's character not being able to register to vote even though she has a constitutional right to do so um, mm. And then Tim Roth's character, George Wallace, basically being like, yeah, it's the law, but <laughs> not in my town. <laughs> and um, yeah, so... the thing where he was like, <laughs> where he went to the president and, he, and the president was like, just turn over the fucking laws. Like, come on. And he's like, oh, it's up to me. It's up to the county registrar. So it's like, give it a rest. Fuck yeah. 
pissed me off so much, honestly. Yeah, I, I think. Well, it was, it was an interesting film. I didn't find it particularly engaging um, as a film, um, but then it, it's more for me. It was more learning about it, but rather than being like, oh, it's not overly entertaining. So, um, I mean, what do you do? You both think of Selma? Um, I enjoyed it. I think I've watched, I've, only, I've watched it twice now. I think the first time I watched it was in the uni, so what's that, like five years ago. Um, but I f- like forgot. I think I knew the basics of what the film was about, but I just kind of forgot um, that the film's not re- The film's literally just about that, primarily that march from uh, that march in Selma, mm. um, which is which is which is great because I think obviously that broke the barrier for. Um, the passing of uh, the bill in 1965 for black people to be able to vote and actually be able to vote without being um, uh, blocked off by anybody, um, which is which is great. And I forgot that the film doesn't include his assassination, which I like actually because I feel like his assassination is sometimes glorified. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think people always, obviously everybody knows that he died, but people don't know loads about like what he stood for, the opposition that that um, that uh, he he faced, and also that not everybody was on board with him. Like I think there were moments in the film where people are questioning his methods, questioning his judgment. Like, are we doing the right thing? There was a um, I felt like an accusation from one of the characters that he was just doing everything he does for the cameras and to get like publicity, which is not an opinion that you hear of much much of people having um i found it quite interesting that they showed the dialogue between martin luther king and uh president johnson at the time i think president kennedy before before he died as well and that how much they uh how much discourse they had about that the civil about civil rights issues and i feel like that is because <laughs> they were so afraid of the other, they favoured the non-violent side because they were so afraid of the violent side and like Malcolm X by any means necessary, that side they were like, okay, we have to push this agenda because this other one could destroy us kind of thing. Yeah, um, doesn't Johnson actually say that at one point? He's like, he says to his advisor, like, I'd rather this guy than the other guy. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd rather support Martin Luther King in his peaceful non-violence than, you know, us shutting him down and then Malcolm X being the alternative. Uh, one thing funny enough though actually uh you're right you're completely right but one thing that i noticed from this film is that obviously even though um even though martin luther king preaches non-violence the president says we don't we want to go we want to follow this if we're going to follow anything let's let it be this non-violence approach martin luther king himself i feel like bets on violence but just not from him Mm. from 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 white people from from racists, go on, Chris. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I was gonna agree with you. Sorry, oh, um, and like he bets on them being violent and then people seeing that, which to be fair is a good tactic, it's a risky tactic because obviously lives are lost, people are injured, you know, it's not obviously even the um, the priest guy played by Jeremy Strong, he he was killed. There was the little monologue at the end about the woman who died five hours after Martin Luther King's speech, um. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's not the route that it's probably the roof the route of uh, what's it called the path of least resistance I guess um, 
But yeah, I, I, I always like films like that because obviously you don't, I feel like, I don't know if, uh, if you guys can tell me, but in school, I feel like we didn't learn too much about American civil rights. Obviously, you get like a surface level, I feel like. And to be fair, civil rights in Britain as well. Because I imagine there was a movement in Britain too. But I know I actually know nothing about it because we, I feel like we were never taught it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't feel like we were ever taught about Windrush or anything yeah. like that, which is a shame actually, because a lot of our history at school was, was yeah, the America. It's, it's sort of like saying, oh, these problems exist elsewhere. Yeah. You know, oh, the Americans were racist until 1968. Oh, Britain wasn't. It's like, mm, is that true? The same like World War Two yeah and uh, we don't we don't learn about our history in a constructive way mm. like it's sort of like hey we conquered the world it was great wasn't it you know look at all the artifacts we've got in the british museum mm. Mm, is that from benin yes but we stole it <laughs> you know you know at least i think in other places like germany particularly they 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 learn about their history you know mm. let's not do that again way do you know that I don't, but uh, but I yeah, think I do think we we need to be educated a lot more than what we what we have been because like, I I was I'm I'm like get Glenn I was a little naive to all of it like obviously I knew like Martin Luther King did speeches and he was nonviolent but I didn't realize he did like all these he had all these different ways of all these methods of like approaching his nonviolence i.e. the walk. I, I wasn't too aware of it, so it was quite an insightful film. But yeah, also, I like... oh, the civil rights movement gets sort of condensed and amalgamated. So I thought that he successfully got the vote um, black people, but I didn't realise that there was actually still resistance to it, and that another bill had to be passed that they could vote unimpeded. So I think it sort of, especially from what I remember, it was sort of like. He got them the vote rather than he, they were allowed to vote, but then they would stop from voting. Yeah. If that makes sense. I quite enjoyed also how um, the film kind of takes a viewpoint of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, when they are watching Martin Luther King at all times. Like there would be like little captions coming up saying he he's at this place at 0800 hours, blah, 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 blah. Like, they always, always kept tabs on him. Obviously, that's where they leaked the information that he cheated on his wife multiple times, my ad. Um, <laughs> no man's perfect, you know. That's, that's another good thing, actually. It feels that there, there, there are, like, no, like, I say, like I said, nobody's perfect. Like, I'm glad they didn't build him out to be, like, a, uh, an all-perfect saver, do you know what I mean? Like, it shows that everybody's got flaws. Um, everybody has someone who doesn't think that what you're doing is right. Um, on who's supposed to be on your side, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and I think it gave a kind of like a rounded view of what went on during those uh, during that period. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a really I think it's a very very solid film. I think both times I've watched it, I've enjoyed it. Um, I think there was I a think very well very well um, structured the film, the way mm. they like present everything and how like. How, yeah, I, just, I, I, just, I was quite, I was quite gripped on to, to know more and see more, and like yeah. know. And I don't feel like, like so obviously you're saying about the cheating, 
I don't feel like that hindered his character. As, like, obviously, it's good to, it was interesting to know that, but like, what he stood for still was like the the fighting force of it. Because I know yeah. in some like when you put a character down, it's kind of like oh, oh maybe maybe we don't side with this character, but it's kind of like not even considered kind of thing. Yeah, I think that those other things. It, it, this film felt quite linear. It was sort of like, if if other things happen, they they're not going off to like explore how and why that happened. So, for example, when the, the four girls were killed um, by a bomb, I that's quite near the beginning of the film. I read that that was by the Ku Klux Klan, but they don't they sort of they don't brush over it, but they don't kind of go off and explore how that happened. It's sort of like. Yes, that was a part of the story, but we are following the story right through. Um, yeah. If you want to find out more, do you, do you think we should, do, do your own we, research? We, when we hear that, though, do you think we should assume that it's to do with being to do with racism and the Ku Klux Klan, or do you think it is actually they're just putting it there for you to research more about? When I watched I, it, I didn't. Go ahead. Go on, Obi. No, I was like, I didn't. Obviously, I just assumed that it was racist, but I obviously my, I feel like now that now that we're talking about, it, I feel like I should have just associated it with the Ku Klux Klan or something adjacent. But I didn't yeah. think that at the time when I was watching it, I just assumed it was just some racist people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Exactly. That's exactly my thought process as well. Um. Uh, um. Which again is is probably you know a good thing about like uh, a, a biographical historically biographical film because. You, it shouldn't give you all the answers. It it should spur you want to do your own research and, and you know, like we said, all your, yeah. all your all your opinions on it, isn't it? When you yeah. do your yeah. um, and I think you know this film about 1965, and then when you contrast to there's uh, a sort of vaguely similar scene in Queen and Slim. Um, of protesters meeting the police and how that that descends into violence um you sort you're sort of like fucking hell this is 50 50 years ago and nothing's changed mm. what, what was funny no just when we talk about queen and slim we can talk about it don't worry. okay um you i don't know if you want to talk about ob what you tweeted with regards to um the light lights oh. being turned out and things. Yeah. So, um, I don't know how much uh, you guys have seen about it, but there's like a basically a movement for end uh, end called hashtag end SARS in Nigeria, which basically uh, the, the long and short of it is police or the anti robbery squad in Nigeria. They basically go around and if they, they find people who they think look rich or you know have iPhones, jewelry, whatever, whatever, and they question them, interrogate them in the in through the guise of doing police work. But then they'll call them thieves, robbers, and then they'll take their money, take their cars, take their phones, take their whatever. Sometimes beat them up, sometimes kill them. Um, so basically, there's been protests throughout Nigeria the past three weeks, I think, to ha- uh, to end SARS, end police brutality, disband that whole unit, um, and have some sort of police reform. Um, that kind of got to a head last week um, when on an island in Lagos where basically 
people were protesting outside of a toll gate. And um, the police, I don't know if it's police or army, but one of them, uh, they met the protesters, they turned off the CCTV cameras at the toll gates, they turned off the light, and they just started shooting. Um, yeah. Oh, God. It's fair, as far as I'm aware, um, I think I think it's hundreds of people were injured, and uh, in the double digits of people died. Like I literally saw a video of someone literally die, and um, which I really wish I hadn't watched now. And I saw a video of someone with their head, uh, literally open brains on the floor. Like oh, it was nuts. Gosh. Um, so and yeah, so uh, drawing parallels with that, um, in in Selma, uh. After Martin Luther King's release from prison, he goes to I don't know where he goes to, but basically he's not. If they decide to do a, a night a protest at night, Martin Luther King's not there, um, and basically they're all protesting, linking arms and stuff. They are met by police. The police, they one of the things that the I think it might have been J Edgar Hoover or someone to do with the police. One of the things they said beforehand was that oh Martin Luther King's not there, so there won't be any cameras, meaning we can do whatever the fuck we want. So they go, they meet these protesters at night, they turn out the lights, they start beating the shit out of them. Um, at least one person is killed. Um, they keep Stanfield's character. I don't know if anybody else was killed in that incident. So yeah, obviously I'll just kind of, that that scene just made me think exactly of what happened this past week in, in Nigeria. And like, obviously you can tell the protesters here are, are on the right side. They're protesting, obviously they're protesting civil rights, but among that probably in terms of um, voting, as well as voting, is police brutality. And obviously you've got this stuff, which is still happening, 50 years later, it's still happening in Nigeria. We're supposed to be in a modern world, but we've still got stuff like this going on. People people dying for no reason. Like, and it's okay. played, like genocide, pretty much. That's the thing is, it's like, you know, how, you know, people try and do things in a peaceful manner, but then it just always seems like you know, at what point? You know, at some point, it's just going to have to descend into violence because that's because you're being met with aggression, and so you're either going to die, or you know, I guess in in a way that like with Queen and Slim, even though that's a fiction film, it's sort of like, oh yeah, you, you know, you killed that cop, good. You know, mm. they keep killing us, so we got to kill them. You know, it just when I mean, you see it in Selma and Queen and Slim, and probably in real life with what's happening in Nigeria is you've got people who are unarmed saying, you know, just with a sign that says, you know, stop killing us. And you've got the police who've got riot shields, batons, smoke grenades, guns, all this sort of thing. And then you just think that is so... (laughs) There's there's no... It's it's not a fair fight, is it? And, and, you know, even when you... And even in this modern day and age when you've got people that record these things, you still have kind of politicians coming out going, that's that's not true or you know I, I see there's a lot of you know misinformation that gets spread about and yeah even even when people are witnessed doing things there's still no accountability it seems it's it's, it's shocking um but yeah i mean are, are there any other kind of thoughts on selma that you you guys want to touch on uh no nah. good film i enjoyed it film cool um shall we talk queen and slim then uh, okay um i have 
a recency bias because I've only finished watching it about two hours ago. But mm-hmm. I thought it was brilliant. Um, okay, it's... that's interesting because a lot of people hated this film. But... Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, was uh, I, think there's... I think there's points in this film which really I, I feel like aren't so in line with what the film's trying to say. Speak on it, Chris. Is it the sex scene you're talking about? No, I'm talking about... Oh. So... But you love that, didn't you, Obi? You filthy. <laughs> you on your knees. So I, 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 I like this film. I don't, I don't, I don't not like this film. I do like this film. But I thought the scene, I don't, I don't know how to word this, but like the scene with the kid and the police officer. Oh, Chris, speak on it. Speak on it, Chris. The kid's a fucking like, idiot. So I just give a bit of context. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Like I, I was just like, one, where did this kid get a gun from? Basically, okay, context is there's the, the a lot of people a lot of people are right not right in there they're peacefully is it would you say it's peacefully non-violently yeah non-violently protest about um the two protagonists of this film mm-hmm. and how uh they shouldn't I, I don't know what they're what they're trying to say they shouldn't be put put in prison for what they've done because the police officer was was being violent and not doing his job properly when he first didn't stop them, essentially, right? If I misthink. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think that's it. So, I mean, the, the, the setup of this film is Queen and Slim, who is played by Daniel Kaluuya and um, Jodie Turner-Smith. Didn't go that well. He's driving home. He doesn't indicate to change planes. He gets pulled over by a cop and then quite quickly escalates and he is held at gunpoint. And then uh, Queen gets shot. Slim tackles the cop and ends up killing him by accident and then this protest is basically saying look they're killing us all the time it was either him or the cop um and this boy junior is the son of a mechanic that helps their helps fix their car and he attends this and then has a gun yeah i just one i was just like where did this kid get a gun from two like when the police officer is trying to reason with him the black police officer he's trying to like reason with him he's trying to tell him to go home you don't want to get in trouble for this. And then he points the gun at him and the police officer is still being very, very calm. And then he just decides to shoot the police officer. I was just like, what? I was like, what point? I was like, what point? Mm. To me, it's, it seemed like it was an accident. I think. That's what oh, I really? got. I don't know. Because the kid was like, shit, his, his eyes were like, fuck, what happened? I, don't um, think, I think he meant to do it. And then when he saw what happened, he was like, oh shit. Yeah. Because I feel like that point in the film detaches from the rest of the film because I almost feel like it's trying to say what they're doing is inspiring young children to do this and not think about their actions. And I feel like that's really that really does detach from the film. And I feel like it was just an unnecessary. Me personally, other people might see different things, but I feel like that scene wasn't needed. I feel Mm. like he could have gone to the peaceful protest. He could have seen that there was some violence towards the, the protesters, maybe, and then he could have run away. I mm. think that kid, though, that kid, you could tell, I think part of him wanted to be a martyr because from as soon as he met Queen of Stim, he was idealising them. I want yeah. to be just like you guys, da 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 da. So I think there was a, they were kind of laying the seeds before that. And maybe this kid was kind of, uh, I'm trying to think of a word for it. I don't know. In a, I want to say in over his head, I guess. Yeah. Um, he's like, he, even, he even says, doesn't he? He's like, "Oh, I might, I could die today." And 
yeah. and they're like, "Don't say that." And he's like, "I could, I could, but I, I want to be remembered." Yeah, it wasn't it. Yeah, I mean, but, I, I, they brushed over the fact that this kid dies as well. It was sort of announced but, on like a radio don't, program. I don't think it's meant to be the main. But this is my point. I don't think it's meant to be the main point. I feel like it. I feel, I feel like it was just like a point to like show that if you go about doing things the wrong way, you can influence the people also in the wrong way. Yeah. That's and I get it. I like. I mean, some people will be influenced in the wrong way, but I feel like it it does slightly detach from the film itself. But hey, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just I just that was that was one of the pro- probably one of the only scenes that I was just like, yeah, it was just odd to me. Odd placement. So. I don't think I don't think it detached from the film per se, but it is my least favorite scene in the film because I just think that logically it just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Uh, yeah. The the kid is if maybe if he was a man and he shot him because I can understand that maybe because maybe you know you've been through a lot like police have been harassing you your whole life da 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 and it's like oh that's built up to a point where you're like fuck this fuck the police etc etc but it's just a kid he couldn't have been older than like 13 like i think he got the gun from his dad i, I think that's the only thing i can think um but and maybe maybe i just didn't want to see the see a kid die but it just really pissed me off i just thought you're so fucking stupid i think i'm watching this film i was sort of like what is the matters obviously initially you're on the side of Queen and Slim because they're being harassed and, and you can quite, you know, it's a, it's a thing that you see a lot in real life and also in films like The Hate You Give. It's like a situation can quite easily escalate into mm. a white cop shooting an unarmed black person. And this does mm. happen in this case, but thankfully Queen doesn't die. And then uh, Slim, you know, accidentally kills him. And then they're sort of praised by a lot of people you know they go into a bar and the, the bar mate lady's like yeah we, you're good here you know well done sort of thing and and um some people sort of see them as vigilantes almost um so so then you know as an audience member the film sort of like suggesting that maybe you know maybe you do need the odd cop death to redress the balance and then you've got that scene where uh, a black kid kills a black police officer and you're like, oh, I mean, maybe if it was a white police officer, you you think, OK, well, I can see what, what, what this film is saying. But and then right at the end, spoiler alert, when both Queen and Slim die, you're sort of like, oh. OK, well, this film's telling you that it doesn't work. But then they're also being killed unarmed by a whole load of white police officers. So yeah. I was sort of I was sort of a bit like, mm, what is it? What side is it leaning on? I, I wasn't quite sure. I feel like. I think, I think it was leaning on the. It was majoritarily leaning on the side of Queen and Slim, um, in that what they did was justified. And I think, I think if that happened in real life, most people would think, "Oh yeah, you did the right thing." Like at the end of the day, that he was protecting his life and hers at that point in time. Um, there were also people mm-hmm. uh, like the mechanics, um, the boy's dad, the mechanic, who thought they were on the wrong side and uh, didn't agree with whatever they were standing for. Um, and I think that was quite reflective of life. In life, not everybody's gonna have the same opinion as everybody else. Um, you and know, I think that. Go on, Chris. Yeah. No, go on, carry on, carry on. Sorry, I can say my. No, so, and I just I think that I think this film, although it's not perfect, I think it did a good job of making you 
making you think, oh, should I be supporting these two? Or, like, should I be, should I be happy that the kid shot this policeman <laughs> unprovoked? <laughs> or, you know, should, did, like, did, um, did what they, what they did during the film, did that justify the ending? I mean, like, mm. I think it does a good job of making, of giving you think points. It's not just 100%, yeah, everything in, everything in this film is, is like, uh, what's it called? Is what is like one note. And I think even they do that in the fact that, you know, the policeman nearish to the end who lets, who sees them and lets them go. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. this, because like, I, I think the film's quite powerful in the fact that it shows several dis- different uh, viewpoints or uh, viewpoints of people and how they actually perceive what they've done. Like, I think that's really powerful and how they've done it and how they like one per one, the dad who buckled his knee saw them as like heroes. The, the people in the bar saw them as, uh, I don't know if they necessarily saw them as heroes, but put them in a safe haven. And then obviously the family who, hid them under the bed were trying to look out for them but they were like mixed views on what what was right and what was wrong in the situation and then all the way leading up to the guy at the end who basically cashed him in basically. Them. yeah he made his yeah. 150k he made or whatever no 500k it's five, yeah i think it's 500k so like be, I, yeah. be your own people man i'm telling you yeah but i thought it was quite powerful to see all these aspects like again i don't know if the like the mechanic I don't know if, in my opinion, I don't know if he thought they were, well, I think he actually he did say that he thought they were wrong, didn't he? But in my mind, I thought of it as he didn't think they're necessarily wrong, but they've gone the wrong way about it. Mm. And, and in my opinion, I from the film, I, I don't think if they had stayed there and were like, we didn't mean to do it, they would have died. 100%. It's my, it's my yeah. situation. So I think they were in a lose lose battle at that point. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the film is also it's quite important in a way that I think a lot of the narrative can tend to be black versus white, um, in relation to like cops and the victims. Whereas this film shows that actually even within the black community, there are people that disagree, and also like the guy at the end, like just cashed them in. It was sort of like, you know, it, it, there's there's people like the cop who lets them go is like yeah you know it's sort of in that regard the cop who lets them go in the garage his race was more important and transcended his well actually no can i just say that that scene there um do you think he let them go because of the previous scene that he was involved in or what or because of the reason you just said i think think both okay i think i think the fact that the white police officer was condescending to him sort of re-established that he was like do you know what i'm not seen as equal in this regard that's what i took from it but then also i guess interestingly with with junior and the policeman that he ends up killing it's actually the policeman who is pleading saying like trying to de-escalate the situation which is often what we see flip reversed in a sense of it's normally the victim the unarmed victim going you know trying to de-escalate the policeman um, so mm. I think that was a, a quite a important scene. But again, it, yeah, it was. I was sort of a bit like, what are you trying to say with that? Um, but I thought the film itself was really good. Great acting performance, considering it was um, 
Jodie Turner-Smith's first acting role. Um, Daniel Kaluuya is great in pretty much everything he's done. Um, can't believe he was Kenneth in Skins. And um, <laughs> even, certain, even some of the lighting, um, you know, there's quite a lot of dark... Ooh, I just saw my headphones out. Um, a lot of darkness, but then there was sort of like neon kind of blues and greens that, that are sort of um, filtered in uh, yeah. in the scene. And I've just thought it was a really stylish film, considering, again, it, it's it's Melina Matsukas' directorial debut as well. So, uh, oh, I was going to say that. Oh, go on, Chris. Oh, you're gone. No, no, go on. No, I was, was going to say, I think that... Um, I think I think the film was written by uh, a black woman. I think. Yeah, Lena Waif. Lena Waif, that's it. That's her name. Um, she's in Master of None. Anyway, um, I enjoyed the way the characters were written. I think a lot of the time across, I think we're getting we're getting to a point now where I think you can get a diverse range of black characters. But I think stereo like traditionally, I feel like black men and black women, especially in America, are portrayed a certain way. Um, I think. Daniel Kaluuya's character is just a normal guy. He's not flashy. He 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 doesn't talk like like uh, like he's from the streets, from the hood, or anything like that. Like Jodie Turner-Smith's character, just a normal, confident woman. Um, she's not like she's not like. Oh, I'm trying to think of the word for it. Like I don't know. I don't know. Black women I... are sometimes portrayed in a certain way in a film where it's kind of like proper sassy and like everything's like bare like hand movements and head movements that sort of thing mm. and i like the way she's just they're just two normal people and to be honest i quite like the film in terms of the fact that they didn't even like each other the date didn't go well they didn't even they they weren't on it with each other at all mm. but then throughout the film i suppose kind of i want to say shakespearean in a way like their their romance their love progressed like in something as simple as when they had their first date dan clue was chomping on his food proper loud and she was like, can you stop that? And he was like, no, I'll eat how I want. And then at the end of the film, because he knows he doesn't like it, he chews quietly. Like, yeah. And I think that does well to build up to the end where um, he, she says, um, can I be your legacy? He says, you already are. And then uh, she gets shot, which when I was in the cinema, fuck me, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> hmm. Like, I think that ending, that last 10 minutes of the film, I really, really enjoy um, I think you get to a point where I think I had hope in my heart that they were going to make it to Mexico, wherever the fuck they were going to go. And then obviously when you get, but I was always suspicious of, of um, that guy who told, who dubbed them in at the end. And I think the way the film ended was, to be honest, probably realistic in the fact that they they don't get away with it. People, people rarely get away with shooting policemen, especially black people in America. Yeah. Do you, yeah, do you um, sort of do you sort of wish it had a um, baby driver ending where you're sort of like, do they, don't they? Yeah, do you know what? I think I would I would have enjoyed it either way. I think for dramatic effect, I feel like this ending is good, very good. But if it had ended in an ambiguous way, I would have been I probably would have been happy with that too because we don't always get a happy ending, so it's nice to have one. I think I just also- at least imagine one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought that ending was really impactful in the sense that, like, two people on the run, they've pretty much caught them. And how many cop cars came? How many policemen were there and policewomen? It was just fucking mental. And, like, mm-hmm. and the the way that, that un- like, they basically did nothing and that woman just shot as well. And I was just like, yeah. the fuck? That, like, that's, the, 
that's the thing, isn't it? It's like he's when Daniel when Slim's carrying Queen towards the police cars, they can see he's not armed, or at least not kind of, you know, he's not able to reach for a weapon. They're like, don't stop or I'll shoot because I'm under threat. It's like, well, if that works for you, it should work for someone else. They as well, if, if, a, they, if someone they, they go for a fatal shot, like they could literally have, mm. like if they were really that worried, gone for his legs or gone for his hand, and they just they just absolutely yeah. him. Yeah. It's just what the fuck. There's no way that he was going to be able to whip out a gun and shoot them. You know, just he was carrying enough. Yeah, I think it's also um, I think it's worth pointing out as well um, in relation that both Daniel Kaluuya and Jodie Turner Smith are dark-skinned actors because um, mm. there's been quite a colorism properly with from what i understand you know and um yeah i just think that's that's quite a yeah a point i, worth I agree with you 100 i think dark-skinned black women especially don't get a lot of shine in hollywood it's only now when you've got like the viola davises of the world where people are kind of like casting them in big big roles and big tv shows which i think is great one last thing, actually, I wanted to say is, did you guys notice that they don't actually say the actual names of Queen and Slim until right at the end of the film when they're being reported dead on the news? Yeah, I, I noticed that. They I, said I, that. I was kind of like, why? I, like for me, I was like, why are they named Queen and Slim? Yeah, like, I don't know where. Honestly, I don't know where those names come from. If I'm being honest. Yeah. But they said, I think Lena Waithe, who wrote it, yeah, she I said, thought. Oh God. No, no, I was just going to say I really enjoyed it. I'd give it like an eight. But what are you going to say about what did Lena Waithe um, So about the names thing, Lena Waithe said um, that the only reason, the reason that she did that, she didn't uh, name them until the end, is that because if they hadn't got in that situation and they hadn't died, they'd just be regular people and nobody would know their names. Mm, true, yeah. That's, uh, That's quite powerful, that is actually thinking of it like that. That's, um, I, thought, uh, I thought it was a really accomplished film from like i could watch daniel kalu in anything he's Same. honestly Great. brilliant he's sick yeah um yeah uh, and then the, the third film we were going to talk about which is more from the archive um is law abiding citizen which is a vigilante action thriller by mm. F. gray gary or gary gray or gray gray or gary gary or whatever um starring gerard butler and jamie fox jamie fox is a a lawyer who um, is prosecuting uh, the killers of Gerard Butler's family. But one of them, basically, the one who doesn't do much, gets goes down and gets definitely, and the other one gets a deal and is out. And then 10 years after that, Gerard Butler's concocted this plan to kind of kill everybody who was, uh, you know, involved in one way or another. With, uh, mm. I've never seen You'd never seen it before? No. I remember, I remember, like, I had it's one of those films where I'd seen it so long ago, but I was, I like, remember it being really good, and I was really yeah. worried that I would rewatch it and it'd be shit. Um, oh. But it wasn't. <laughs> I fucking love this film. I think it sounds great. <laughs> yeah. And the, very entertaining. The weird thing is, like, I, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got 26%, which I think is, that's like, what? Near unwatchable. Like, yeah. I think this film is really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what did you like about it, both of you? Uh, well, I said, well, I tweeted that I feel like you could tell me that this film was a Joker origin story and I'd believe you. <laughs> I just feel like Jared Butler's character, Clyde, is it Clyde? 
um, mm. is so like you don't even clock like how fucking smart this guy is. Like I love characters. Like this is one of them films. So like I could ask you guys the question: Who's the hero of this story? That's the thing. Well, that's, that's... A, it's it's about morals, isn't it? Yeah. I think at one point you're sort of like, yeah, I can understand why Gerard Butler wants to get revenge on Darby. But then you're sort of like, mm, he's sort of turning into Jigsaw in a way. Yeah. There's a lot of like torture porn sort of um, horror elements in this, like when he's sawing the guy in all his limbs and stuff. And then when he's putting that guy underground and he's got um, only air. And, in my opinion, there, there is no real hero of this story. Mm. There's, and, it, and it's a, it's almost like a story of how, like, someone's been hurt and Jamie Jamie Fox has got to like learn from it because he's basically got to figure out how to get this guy and then also he's thinking about how he's technically done something wrong and that changing as a person at the same time mm. I think you can even kind of link this to I suppose Selma and uh, what we should trial of Chicago 7 in that there are so many flaws I can't speak much like about US judicial system because I'm not I'm not from there. I don't I'm not well versed in it. But from what we've watched, there are seemingly so many flaws in the American du- judicial system. Like there are so many loopholes. There is there even the fact that um I don't want to say ego I think Jamie in Jamie Fox's character, ego plays a part of it because he's got he wants to keep up his conviction rate. Yeah, or whatever it is. So he so he yeah. decides not to go for the full full shebang and he decides to make a deal even even things like that i think uh clyde in the film says like if if i knew you gave it your all none of this would be happening it's the fact that you wanted to keep up appearances you wanted to elevate yourself to um high keep yourself in that high level and as a fact of that justice was not served but then jane fox's character says some justice is better than no justice is that true yeah yeah, it's, it's, it makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, to a quite extreme extent. But there's also when Gerard Butler's character Clyde is in the courthouse representing himself and successfully argues that he should go on to bail. And oh, he, then, he's, then he says to the judge, he's like, you've just accused me of killing, like, I don't know, and you're now going to give me bail. <laughs> he's like, this is what's wrong with the fucking system. Well, then, <laughs> and I, yeah, but there's two sides to that, though, right? Because if you accuse someone of killing, like killing and they haven't killed someone, you've got no proof. Should you therefore let, keep them in prison until you got proof that they didn't kill someone? This is it, though. That's why. That's why his argument. Is, his you can see where he's coming from, but also the argument is flawed. Yeah. yeah. But then he also said, "You take out the ass, bitch." Of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This, I can see why this film was given a low rating because, like, by critics, because you've got Jamie Foxx's character who is a lawyer and then becomes DA, who is literally running around like an action hero trying to save these people. Like, yeah, I was thinking I don't, that. I was thinking I don't, that. He's, Acts like a detective and he's not, he's a it's fucking a pl- DA. It's a plot device, right? It's just so that Jamie Foxx can do some action rather than sitting behind a desk. But yeah. <laughs> I was watching it and like, sort of, Lauren was like, Isn't he a lawyer? I was like, Yeah, he is actually. Why is it? <laughs> Why is he running around doing this shit? Um, it was, it was just entertaining. That's all it is. It's just pure yeah. entertainment. Like, you know, the script isn't great, but they've got, you know, good back and forth between, um, Jamie Foxx and Gerard Butler's characters, like you know, there's it's clever in the way that he gets the T-bone stake so that he can use that as a weapon, and yep. then he's you know spent the last ten years 
tunneling into prison in like a reverse prison break and then even the ending when jamie fox outsmarts yeah putting the font i was like it's entertaining like fuck it i think that like oh fuck i was saying i think that um like you said i agree with everything you said the only thing that i think i said it in the group chat that i lament about this was that clyde is a fucking terrorist and nobody bothers to point that out he's literally a terrorist he doesn't agree with certain american ideals so he starts killing people that's terrorism Obi, Obi, i don't <laughs> know if you if you're aware of this but in america if you are white and you commit terrorist acts you are mentally unwell <laughs> not a terrorist oh, i didn't you? know that to be fair mate. thanks for yeah it yeah, sounds about white doesn't it um yeah. i think i think <laughs> also <laughs> what's that chris i'm sorry just laughing at your what you're saying <laughs> Sorry, is that a bit political? Sorry. No, mate. He is a terrorist. Um, I also think think this film is important in a way in that it's a film directed by a black man. Mm. And it, like, in a weird way, I didn't didn't know, like, which I think is important in the sense that it shouldn't always be, black directors shouldn't always have to direct films that are about black history that is important but it's also i think important that they can just do pure entertainment films like any other director can do you know it's not like um i don't know edgar wright is all his films are not about the history of his family or his race his films are just about whatever he wants them to be about and i think that's important that if gary gray can do fast seven and this film, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be always, you know, about race. Um, I agree. I did notice that. Um, uh, I don't know. I might have been. I might have been playing up in my mind. But I feel like even main characters, side characters, there was quite a few black people in this film. I don't. I, I, I might have just yeah. made up in my head. No, I there's remember, Viola Davis, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. You know, and just even general little people in the background, a couple of policemen. Like people on Jamie Foxx's team at the start, I was thinking, like, oh, it's, it's like just let's just have a few side characters. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's. It, it is not. It was nice to see. Is all. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I'm, I'm not saying that films like Selma and that shouldn't exist. They should, but it shouldn't just be. I think we've got this like idea that black directors should always have to do a film about kind of slavery or civil rights or something like that um mm. i think it's important that they are just directors like anybody else and can just do pure entertainment films um, i was gonna say there actually is like a uh well, from what i see on twitter as well and i actually kind of agree amongst black people there is a thing where like we collectively are kind of like tired of seeing those stories can we just like even i think they related it to um like we don't always have to see kidhood adulthood the third one i can't remember what it's called brotherhood like it can just be a normal rom-com or it could just be a normal political thriller do you know what i mean it doesn't have to be not every story featuring black people directed by black people produced by black people has to be about uh you know slavery civil rights whatever the fuck else genocide Miranda, whatever i don't know mm. but you know, it can just be a regular story and it can be good and well, actually, I'll save it for my top five films. But yeah. Oh, like it. I like it. 
Okay, well, should we go on to our top five films? So we, we, we want to do this as a kind of more frequent segment, top fives. And uh, this, this week we're doing top five films directed by black directors, um, which I think is also, I mean, for me, doing some research, again, I, there was sort of like, I was quite surprised at how many black directors I knew. Um, and again, like how many films were directed by black directors who were, who the films are like, like Too Fast, Too Furious and Fast and Furious 7. That, um, yeah, so I think I was certainly educated in that way. But Chris, you wanted to go first, didn't you? So what Quickly, would you... Oh, yeah, sorry. Goes, I just want to caveat by saying that I've only got four and I've left the fifth one uh, okay. open. I said this before we start recording. I left the fifth one open because I wanted to have it either be someone who's British or someone who's a woman and I couldn't really find one. So I'm hoping that one of you two might provide something for me that I can put <laughs> as my fifth. Okay. So, okay. Right. Well, my first one that I went to was, and it's one of my favourite films, is Coach Carter. And it's directed by Thomas. Okay. Who's that directed by? Thomas Carter. Okay. Okay. And I believe he's directed. What else? What else he directed? Uh, That's also in mind, Chris. By the way. Yeah. I, I. I mean, Save the Last Dance. I, I think rings a bell. But he's at, as of Wikipedia, he's directed six movies. So. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Coach Carter was my top of the list. Very good film. Yeah. I've got a young Channing Tatum in it. Yeah. It has a, a lot of young actors in it, to be fair, as well as a younger Samuel L. Jackson. So. Okay, so that was on your list as well, Obes? Yep. All right. Chris, what else did you have on your list? I had Fences on my list. Yeah. All right, Chris, man, me and you were singing from the same <laughs> I had Fences an, as an honourable mention. Okay. Um, um, when I watched Fences, I thought it was so like, it was so like the the way that everyone performed in it was so fucking on point and it was so impactful. And then like the whole point of like him building the fence around them and that's the reason why it's called Fences. I thought it was just quite it added a little extra for me. So yeah, definitely love a metaphor. Metaphors. Yeah. Um, I mean that interesting. We're talking about directors who direct themselves. Yeah. Know, yeah. Denzel directing Denzel um okay um i mean i had uh this the first one i put down and this is not necessarily in an order but um this is the only non uh fiction film i guess uh is 13th by ava duvernay which is a documentary on netflix about the 13th amendment um in america which um i will just read for you so i don't uh so i don't misquote it it's uh abolished slavery and involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime um which basically this film charts how is it the abolishment of slavery yes yeah okay uh how the system the prison system the judiciary system basically finds loopholes of keeping black people or people of colour, uh, non-white people essentially, um, in a form of modern slavery, whether that's in prison or otherwise, um, 
and it's a really powerful documentary um it's just so important i think to to watch to understand a bit more um about how yeah uh, it, it show it, it kind of explores how certain laws or were so um so for example i think it was like if you had a, a crime a criminal record you couldn't vote and so therefore like lots of particularly dis, um lower class people which in the period that they were discussing were mostly black or hispanic people um would be pulled up and charged severely for minor crimes and therefore have a criminal record and therefore couldn't vote um so i think there was something like the max the, i think eventually they reduced the maximum punishment you could be given for like carrying marijuana or something but they were talking about how like you know working classes meant that they had less money with you know sometimes turn to crime or be more reliant on drugs and things like that and therefore would then be disproportionately charged and arrested by um the police so yeah it's 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 a really powerful documentary eye-opening documentary um i didn't realize sorry i didn't realize we were meant to give descriptions of the film sorry i would have given some more on the no no, no. Uh, i mean to... i mean it's more just in case you guys or listeners didn't know what 13th was um okay. i'm not going to do that for every film but I okay think that one particularly is is worth understanding what it's about i'm definitely going to watch that to be fair yeah it's good it's good i'd, watch it. I'd recommend it as well should I go? Um, and that, yeah, go for it. Um, so Chris already mentioned two of mine, Fences um, and Coach Carr. Um, another one I had on my list was Moonlight, which is directed by Barry Jenkins. So what I was going to say a minute ago um, about uh, black people just directing regular stories, maybe not regular, but stories that aren't stories that you traditionally would expect black people to cover. Um, Moonlight is just like a semi-autobiographic autobiographical film about the struggles of growing up as a gay man in the black community which I think is probably a struggle or something that probably tons of people go through but I've never seen it portrayed on screen um, and that was probably my favourite or second favourite film of that year, I think it was 2016 correct me if I'm wrong um, and yeah really, really, I think really good performances all, all around the board from all three Sharons and uh, Naomi Harris as Sharon's mum and I think uh, what's his face got nominated for got one in Oscar off the back of it even uh-huh, though Sorali. that's the one even though he's only in it for 15 minutes but that's cool take the words away <laughs> <we can>. um, <laughs> yeah um, but yeah I really I really really enjoyed that film and I think it it uh, laid set a precedent for I think black people black men, black women, just being able to direct stories that they want to direct and write story, write stories that they want to write. Um, and even Barry Jenkins did, two years later, he did, um, what's it called? If Bill Street Could Talk. Thank you, Glenn. You are a genius. If Bill <laughs> Street Could Talk. Um, which I suppose is, also, is, is about, um, what's it called? Is about uh, black men being imprisoned wrongfully, blah, 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 blah. Mm. But, it's given him even him getting clout from this film gets him to do that film and then he gets more he gets more license now to write what he wants to write i'm sure he's directing another film oh, i can't remember um ignore me while i search the film he's about to direct Sorry. i think oh no it's um, um it's lion king it's lion king 
Lion King, oh, yeah, Lion King next, 2. Lion King sequel he's going to direct. Sorry, Wasn't um, a Bill Streak talk a um, adaptation? Of, uh, yeah, James Baldwin's book. Yeah. I mean, that's also important, isn't it? It's like now, you know, when directors have a platform, they can adapt books from, you know, black authors or, you know, stage, like Denzel Washington's defences, like stage plays and, mm. and get, get more of the culture and, you know, out there, which I think is great. Um, I had Moonlight as an honourable mention as well. Um, yes. My second on the list is... Uh, by the way, sorry, pop up, I need to watch Moonlight. Yeah, it's, cool. it's brilliant. Um, I've got, and I don't know which to put on, so maybe you guys can help me. Either Fruitvale Station or Black Panther by Ryan Coogler. Station, that's fine. Is it? I've, it's, again, I hate to <laughs> not be able to find a synonym for this word, but fucking hell, Fruitvale Station is a powerful film. Yeah, mm. so hyped up there. I was hyped that we had the same one, not that the film was, yeah, the deep film. Yeah, and again, a terrific performance by um, Michael B. Jordan about an event which unfortunately is 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 true um I, I sort of put Fruitvale Station slash Black Panther because I didn't want it to all be kind of like down doom and gloom yeah doom and gloom um I mean Black Panther is a more enjoyable film just purely because it's a superhero film <laughs> um yeah. but you know Ryan Coogler you know he, he's, he's got a pretty good track record thus far um hey, hey, hey. what's that Chris I was going to say, I was going to say that he's got a good he's got a good record and he's got a few good ones coming up, isn't he? Hopefully, Black Panther. Isn't he doing Space Jam? He's doing oh, he's doing a film and something. Oh, um, it's the, that's that's the Fred Hampton film, uh, Judas and the fuck, what's it called? Yeah, I know Judas and the Black uh, Messiah. It's called yeah, one yeah, and then he's also yeah. doing Panther too. So like he's got um good catalogue of films or films I want to potentially watch yeah yeah so that yeah, that's, was that... on my list by the way as well okay I love that film um uh, third on my list is our friend F Gary Gray with Straight Out of Compton purely because I just loved that film I love the music mm. you know I found it really interesting like the whole conflict between the group um you know I like Ice Cube and Dr Dre as separate kind of musicians anyway um i just thought it was great like ice cube's son playing him um you know little ice cube i don't know what it's called um icicle i don't know ice cube. and um <laughs> and then yeah um who plays dr dre oh what's his name Corey. Corey. yeah yeah it was just just a really good film the music's great and that that makes it um for me so uh yeah, straight out of Compton. Solid choice. Solid choice. Was that on anyone else's list? It wasn't. To be fair. I did think about it, but I like the film, but I don't love the film. It's a good film. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So, number four, are you, OB? I mean, all my four have been said, to be fair. Oh, okay. So, do you want to recap them? Um, so... What about what? What? Are we done? No, no, I want Obi to recap his four because obviously you, you and I have still got a couple more to say. Yeah. Um, so mine were Fences, Moonlight, Coach Carter and Black Panther and I'm leaving that fifth space open purposely. But honorable mention for me is also his Inside Man, which I really like. Oh, oh. 
That's on my list. That's Spike oh, Lee. Shit. Sorry. Yeah, Spike Lee, yeah. Is you that said, your number five, Chris? You said, oh, shit. Yeah, because I didn't mean to spoil you. Take your thunder, mate. Uh, right. No, I've only done four, to be fair, Glenn. Okay. So, yeah, Inside Man, give us a quick summary on why it's so good, Chris. Oh, mate. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting film, like how the cops are trying to get into the prison and how the prisoner's trying to get out and the negotiation tactics. Yeah, I'm thinking the right film on our head. Clive Owen, it's quite clever, I remember. Yeah, yeah it's like a heist film, right? I'm pretty sure it's a heist film. <laughs> if we're thinking about the right thing, it's a heist film, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the guy's yeah. in the bank, got all the money, he's got the hostages, and then yeah, yeah. get in there. And yeah, it's a, I just think it's a good all round film. It's quite, it's quite clever. a clever Very film. Clever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, how, and the ending with the twist of how he gives the guy, doesn't he give him like a diamond or something at the end? Yeah, I think so. I, honestly, I was ages ago when I watched it, but I just remember that being a a good film. Yeah. Um I've got a Spike Lee film on mine, but it's Black Klansman. Um Really? Yeah, I like that film. Um purely because you know, I like John David Washington, uh, Adam Driver's performances. It's it's sort of like it's about real events but in like a kind of not satirical but like a comedic way and I just I think I'd never really, apart from Inside Man, I don't think I'd really watched much Spike Lee before that. And I was like, oh, actually, you know, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I, I wasn't, I did debate putting The Five Bloods on there, but I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, no, I wouldn't put that on there either. And then my fifth one is Southpaw by Antoine Fuqua. Um, I haven't seen that. Apparently it's really good, though. What's that film, did you say? Yeah, it's really good. It's a boxing film. Southpaw. Southpaw. Uh, yeah, I, no. Jake Gyllenhaal plays a boxer. Um, yeah. yeah, just boxing film, basically, and it's got a soundtrack which was curated by Eminem. So, <laughs> again, I was uh, well on that. Um, honourable mentions, I guess, you know, uh, Training Day. What yep. about... Wait, I've got a fifth one, but I don't know if it's a toss-up between... It's a toss-up between two, and I don't know. I would, I'd like your opinions on it. Go on, then. Uh, we'll think Get Out and Eat the Equalizer. Oh, mm. I prefer Get Out. Well, I like yeah, same. I think Get Out was more of like a uh, was like a bigger thing. If that make if like if you know if you get what I mean. Yeah. And when it come out and obviously won an Oscar, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Screenplay. Yeah. So and obviously Jordan Peele, that was like his breakthrough kind of thing. I think it was a much bigger deal. Than the Equalizer, even though I think the Equalizer is a good film. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's not. I think if I've I've only ever seen Get Out once, I think I need to see it again before I can put it on the top five. But I did really enjoy it the first time I saw it. I think uh, you know obviously other honourable mentions. Um, well, Queen and Slim, which is Melina Matsukas, uh, The Book of Eli, which is the Hughes brothers, um, oh, Boys in the Hood, John Singleton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this maybe would fit in with your British theme, Obi, is Widows by Steve McQueen. Okay. Decent. Wouldn't put it in my top five, but I'm glad we got no. British five mentioned. Yeah. Lovely. And then I think Noel Clark, who was in Kid Outhood, has done a few. He's directed, I think he directed Outhood and Brotherhood. Um, yeah. And a few other British films. I mean, <laughs> nothing to shout I'm about, but. Yeah. So that was, that was that. Um. 
And then do you guys want to talk about what was it called? Fire Force? Yeah, just a quick one. Hashtag anime. anime Sundays. Yeah, anime Sundays and that. Um, Chris, anime. you recommended that we watch this, so take lead. Hmm? I said you recommended that we watch this, so take yeah. the lead. I'll take the lead. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, well, besides Glenn not taking part in uh, in uh, Anime Sundays, which I'm very yeah, disappointed. Chris, quickly. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. I've only watched three episodes, so. That's all um, right. Okay, cool. I mean, you might want to tell me where you've ended. So I've just ended at the bit where Shinra um, yeah. has, uh, they had like the rookie competition basically and they had that weird guy come in and tell him that basically the accident that happened as a child there's a bit more to it basically oh, okay, yeah. that these fire companies there's a bit more uh there's a bit more behind the scenes than what, than what we have been presented with basically, oh, a, bit, well. bit, a bit, under, bit underhand eh? yeah 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 so, yeah so the basic premise of it is that people self-combust or combust <laughs> and turn into these like fire demon things and these nerf the fire force pull it out and basically it's caused a lot of damage and a lot of been a, i don't know well, i don't know what else to say why really. do people spontaneously combust we haven't figured it out yet but the, 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 the people do know why it's happening but we don't know why yet yeah, yeah. well I, I don't know why yet do you just walk kind of down the street and you're like Poof. basically yeah that's the that's the premise of it. Yeah, yeah. And then but, there's a lead, there's a, a lead character called uh, Shinra, um, who's this guy who's like a, they call it a pyrokinetic, which basically means he can create fire out of nothing. Um, and he kind of like I think he does it with his feet. I don't know if he can do it with his hands. Um, and he can yeah. like fly and sh- and yeah. basically he he was in an accident when he was really young, um, burned down his whole house, killed his mum and his brother. At least that's what we thought. Um, and from that, he developed this thing where whenever he gets nervous, he just smiles and it looks fucking creepy as fuck. And <laughs> I really don't like it. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's a bit of a... Because are you watching it in English, out of curiosity, or are you watching it in Japanese? Yeah, I'm watching it in English. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. I feel like... There's some translation. Some... Yeah, 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 I think there is. And also, oh, Chris, do you... Episode three, yeah? Yeah. Fucking... It's just bare pervy, like there's a girl from another fire station. Yeah, she comes and she's like got a uniform on, but it's not zipped up, so you can see like her bra and that. And then it gets worse. It gets so yeah. Strange. And then like uh, I think uh, Shinra is like he's like go he his captain that he's talking to walks away, and he's like oh wait, and he puts his hand out. Accidentally slips his hand under this girl's bra and is just like touching her boob, and then she's How like, you accidentally do that? Uh, well, I don't know, mate. I don't know. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And then she, like, uh, kind of, like, swings at him, I guess. And then he, she misses. And then he somehow has his hand on her ass. <laughs> like, in her, fucking in her trousers, pretty much. And, yeah, it's just, this This is very pervy. Very pervy. Right. Bear of them, bear enemies like it. I think if you go for the more serious ones, like, um... Like Death Note and stuff like that, they they have their moments, but it's a lot more it's a lot more like continuous uh, seriousness. While this one, I feel like, has its I guess I guess you can call it comedy, but <laughs> a bit of a 
fine line and what the comedy is yeah. really it's i guess you can I, get anime but you can't really get away with it in real life well are you planning on continuing to watch me yeah i'm i'm on episode like 10 so so um, should we make this like our thing to just we will just we'll keep reviewing this yeah we can do that uh, yeah. what do you feel about the episodes you've watched so far um i feel like when it's like for me when it started i was really really engaged and it's so, it, it's slowly like tethering off a little bit to the point of where it's there's a bit of too much going on and i just want to i want to know but i suppose a storyline in a series is there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of twists and turns in it isn't there so yeah uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see what you think How many about. Would you know? Yeah, how many episodes are there? Oh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I'm not sure. I assume there's going to be a season two. I think there is a season two. There's a list of episodes, there's 48. But I think that's 24 in the first season, and they're 20 minutes long. Mm. Okay. Well, if I remember. Then check that out. (laughs) Maybe I'll watch one or two. Yeah, like the six seasons only just started in 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 in, in English. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. I like it though. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Last, what what was it about Doctor Stone that you didn't that didn't catch your? Uh, I don't know. I just didn't really care about it, and I think I I didn't really like the Doctor Stone character. Yeah. I was being an asshole, and I was just like, yeah, I don't really give a shit about you, mate. I think the I'm, premise is interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm intrigued to know that if everything he says is true, because it's mm. on Glenn, it's based on this character who's, he he loves science, he knows so much about science, but he is a school kid at the end of the day. I don't know, what, I can't remember what year he's in, and then the whole planet gets turned, get, get turned to stone, like people and everything, and then he wakes up like 3,000 years later. He gets something happens and he gets de-stoned, de-stoned. I don't know. And then basically he has to explore the world and figure it all out, basically. And okay. he, as he he basically when he's teaching people, he explains how to make things like with different elements and like how you get like different things and how machines are are made and everything. And it's just, it is, in that aspect, it's quite interesting, but I could see why it's not the most popular anime. But yeah. They have some pretty out there themes anyway, don't they, in plot lines, these. Well, yeah. Anime. Something for everyone with anime, isn't it? It's just, yeah. if you can find the right one. I haven't found my niche yet. Yeah, I hate you. I'm still though, Glenn? Uh, I watched the live action Death Note and I thought it was average. Oh no, that's shit. No, that's nothing like the actual anime. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, if you count Pokemon and stuff, I used to watch that as a kid. But Even the Pokemon anime is not exactly one to groom about. No, I guess it's, it's more the theme tune, isn't it? Um, cool. Any other business? Oh, if we're going on anime, they, 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 they're making, or they've just released a Digimon one, a Digimon film. They're doing a Digimon TV series remake. So they they're doing a kind of different story on based on the original Digigestion. And there's also a film coming out or a film that's come out. 
and it's basically called the last evolution so it's about how if you if you battle with your partner digimon too much they eventually just disappear okay and it's meant to be quite it's like an ending and it's quite it's meant to be quite sad i think i don't really remember the whole point of digimon but i remember there was a ps1 or ps2 game ps1 ps1 it was so hard yeah i just remember it being bare hard but then like your little digimon character would poo and then eat it and i was like what is going on here but yeah i remember um i remember it being decent i had some like figurines and stuff but i was more of a pokemon guy anyway yeah although even that's getting a bit like how many more he won his first championship in in first time in 21 years or something He's doing a Venga thing, isn't it? Waiting years and years before he wins anything. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks, guys. What do you want to talk about next week? I'm thinking next weekend is Halloween. So I don't know if you want to do a Halloween-themed episode. I'm not watching any horror films. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you watch Hubie Halloween, Obi? Nah, fuck that. <laughs> I don't have watch, watch horror film. <laughs> Um, can you do horror films without actually watching horror we can discuss it but next week's Halloween so if we if we are able to meet next week maybe that should be our topic but um, yeah otherwise um, if you've got any topics or questions listeners please do send them in via Twitter at ycpodcast17 um, we're also on Instagram and YouTube and Spotify and iTunes and all of that jazz as your average critics um, if there are any female black directors or British black directors that we've missed, uh, please do tweet us them, uh, any film recommendations, and we will we'll give them a check out, check them out. Um, otherwise, thanks for listening. Keep it sexy. Bye.